you are offended by the masculine itself. The loud, eruptive, possessive thing, the gold lion, the bearded bull, which breaks through the hedges and scatters the little kingdom of your primness as the dwarfs scatter the carefully made bed. The male you could have escaped, for it exists only on the biological level. But the masculine, none of us can escape. What is above and beyond all things is so masculine that we are all feminine in relation to it. You had better agree with your adversary quickly. C.S. Lewis, That Hideous Strength. Welcome to the Worldview War Room. I'm your host, Brenton Levi, and on this week's episode, we have my friend Luke Hastings. He has an interesting story about his journey going through divorce as a young man and how that prompted him to really begin to learn more about biblical masculinity and just what it means to be a Christian man. So we talk a lot about masculinity, we talk about um, gender dynamics, we talk about um, relationships. It's a really great episode, and it's very timely for me as well because I just finished reading That Hideous Strength by C.S. Lewis. It's the third book in his Space Trilogy or Ransom Trilogy, and that book is essentially all about uh, marriage and the, well, it's about a lot of things, but one of the main themes is marriage and uh, the dynamic between men and women, the difference in psychology between men and women. And there's a really great quote in that book. Um, I'm going to read it for you now. It's uh, the, one of the, the main character throughout the whole trilogy is speaking to one of the main characters in That Hideous Strength, who is the woman, the main woman character in the book. And he's talking to her about her marriage with the other main character, who is the man. So this is Ransom speaking to Jane about her marriage with uh, Mark. And he says, You do not fail in obedience through lack of love but have lost love because you never attempted obedience. I think that's a really powerful quote when you consider marriage from a biblical perspective. Uh, marriage as submitted to God uh, through Jesus Christ and marriage as a covenantal union. Um, so I'm just going to let that quote percolate in your mind as you listen to this episode. I'm very tempted to uh, <laughs> you know, go on a tangent and just talk about it for a while. But I'm just going to let it sit there as it is. And actually, I'm going to read it one more time just so, you know, for full effect. <clears throat> that you do not fail in obedience through lack of love, but have lost love because you never attempted obedience. And with that said, here is Luke Hastings. <laughs> Luke Hastings, thanks for joining me, brother. What's up? Glad to be here, man. Yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be a good conversation. Um, so we met pretty recently on Instagram, and uh, as soon as I saw your page and looked at your post, like I totally resonated with the, your approach to masculinity from like a biblical perspective. And I loved your name, Narrowway Man. People, go follow his Instagram page. Um and just the idea of 
you know, a man that is, like, you know, entering through the narrow gate, as uh, Christ talks about in the New Testament. So I was thinking maybe we could just start off the podcast with you maybe introducing yourself a little bit and then giving us a, a bit of why or the inspiration behind your page, and then uh, we can just go from there. Absolutely. So name is Luke Hastings at Narrowway Man on Instagram. Nowhere else at the moment, but Narrowway Man on Instagram. And that page was born um, out of a couple things. It was born out of pain, number one, because I had gone through the pain of not living in the identity that God has given me and trying to make my own identity. Um, I'll get into a little bit of that more later. But that was, uh, number one, was pain, uh, because doing things not God's way is painful. Uh, Number two, I've always enjoyed writing and um, explaining things, helping people kind of see concepts. Um, And I'm a big lover of learning and seeing those concepts myself. Uh, That's always been the case. And ever since I was probably, you know, 12 or 13, I began also seeing um, something that a lot of people are waking up to nowadays, which is it's really hard for a boy or a young man to tell when they become a man or like how that process works. Like, and, and, and then there's a silly concept we have too of a real man. It's like, what, what is a real man? I thought, aren't all men real? Are there fake men? I mean, uh, I, probably there's, I mean, I won't even go to that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I would say the only fake men are the ones that we all know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Hey, this is my yeah. podcast. Trans men are not real men. Sorry. Okay, you can keep going. <laughs> my name is Luke Hastings. <laughs> so, other than those, I'm pretty sure we're all real out here, you know. And that's that in and of itself is a whole other conversation. But I'll put it real briefly to say this: No one goes out into the wilderness and sees a lion. And says that's not a real lion. And it doesn't matter if the lion is confused, if the lion is weak, starved, uh, you know, lost, maybe uh, down and out, not leading the pack, whatever it is. It's still a real lion, dude. But with masculinity in our pride, we have this thing where it's like, real men do this. Shut up, dude. Like, <laughs> that's, that's putting down guys that are not, they, they don't have good self-worth and good self-esteem. When we say, oh, you're not a real man or real men do this. No, like we're all real men and we're all made in the image of God. And even men that are drastically confused, that maybe don't even think they are a man, they're still real men and God still has a real plan for them. And um, the real man concept is damaging because it reinforces this toxic idea of for me to have an identity, I have to go out and do something. I have to be something. And that's a very, it kind of makes sense because in the world when you want something, you have to go get it. I have to go earn it. But that's not how God works. God is the creator. He makes the rules. He says who we are. And then from that identity, we go and do. From that place of identity, we can go and conquer and go achieve as men are meant to do. But we get it backwards so often. 
I said that was a whole other conversation, but there it was. So it was really those two things. The pain, um, I guess three things. The pain, loving to write, loving to talk about concepts, and then just from an early age, not really knowing what is a man? When does one become a man? All those things. That's how it started. Um, most of the pain was brought on through um, a marriage that uh, failed, um, that did not last forever. So I entered that marriage having checked all the boxes of what is a godly husband supposed to look like on the outside. I'm definitely far from perfect, very far from perfect. But I had, I never dated, I just, you know, courted or whatever. I was uh, sexually pure. Um, you know, I uh, had a good job, stable job. I was already getting promotions at an early age. I was heavily involved in serving in my church. I had a godly uh, community around me leading Bible studies. Like on paper, it's just like, oh yeah, you know, he's winning the game of, Christianism, or uh, yeah, that sort of spiritual success, you know, that we idolize. Um, on the outside, I was winning the game, right? And then I found a beautiful young woman to marry at a young age. Can it get any better? No. You've, you've won. Then, like, you have a respectable amount of time until people start asking about your kids, and then you have something else to live up to. But at the time, <laughs> I was doing great. Um, and so... You know, I, we spent our respectable amount of time um, without having any kids, never ended up having kids, but um, for uh, the details of which are, are not appropriate to share publicly, um, there, was, there was a divergence and a separation that started to occur about year two, had a lot to do with, um, I think in our specific case, kind of figuring out, you know, who am I and what do I want to do? And her realizing, I guess, who am I and what do I want to do? Each of us were kind of going through that. And her kind of realizing that kind of how, not entirely, but a lot of the things that she had been taught and was trying to be didn't really fit with her. And she was kind of waking up to that sort of a coming of age, um, period and where she started really deciding hey this is what I was taught and this was what I really think and um, I think even she would tell you that but um, long story short in my opinion the reason why we didn't work out is because she and I woke up to being different people and I wanted to make it work um, even though the feelings were not always there and, um, cause I knew that God could heal that, but she did not. Um, so she, so, so we ended up, uh, getting divorced, which was very sad. Um, and during that time I tried so hard to fix it. I mean, I did everything I could crying out to God. I paid for counseling. I paid for an executive coach, um, which I highly recommend actually. And I, and I just, um, got mentors and, you know, prayer, research, reading, everything, tried as many things as I could. And I found myself broken and um, just devastated by the fact that it wasn't working, devastated by the fact that I couldn't fix it, devastated by the fact that I wasn't perfect because I felt like I had to be perfect for it to work because anytime I failed, it felt like things just blew up. Um, 
And I found a sad lack of resources in the church to help me. It was like, love and serve your wife and lead your wife. And, and if you do that, things will be great. And sometimes she just needs you to listen. And it's like, yeah, okay, you know, I'm doing that. Things are not great. Also, I feel like the church puts a lot of my identity on and my self-worth on the success of my marriage, which is drowning right now. And I feel like my value as a man is going down and honestly plummeted once the divorce happens. Like, oh, I'm, I'm a divorced man in the church now. Oh, he must be messed up. Oh, you know, he's not as valuable now. Um, and uh, so, yeah, long story short, went through all that heartbreak, got kind of to a, a low point and realized I can't fix this. And that's a terrible thing, but it's a good thing because I was never meant to fix it. I'm meant to live out my calling as a man, which by the way, is not dependent on what anyone else does. Much less my wife, much less a woman, much less my boss, much less the church, anyone around me. God's calling is for me. And he doesn't call me to control the outcome of my marriage like I could. You know, it's not possible anyway. Um, and that, I think, was the beginning of my mental mindset, heart set switch to my identity is between me and God. My calling is between me and God. Um, and my confidence is between me and God. Um, and I, I, I knew a few years after that, I was like, I need to start talking about this stuff. Um, and the lessons learned along the way. So that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, man, there's a lot there that we could dive into. Um, so uh, earlier on, you kind of, you mentioned uh, the idea that all men are real men because that is who God says that we are. Yes. Um, and so even men that are not living up to who God says they are, it doesn't mean they aren't that. It just means they are not living in according to, uh, living according to um, his will for their lives. Would you agree with Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So it's, here's how I would describe exactly that. Your masculine identity, the truth of your masculine identity is not always and is usually not the same as your experience of it. There's this concept called um, epigenetics in biology um, that I, I learned in college. And it's this um, idea that there are genes in our bodies that can be turned on and off by external stimulus. Uh, kind of the nature versus nurture deal. It's both, you know. God made us all men, all of us that are men. He made us men. Um, with varying degrees of facial hair and height and strength and, and whatever the case may be. But he made us men and he's called us to be men. And for those of us whom he has bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, we have an identity that is. It doesn't matter how our performance is, and it doesn't matter what people think about us, what we have, it matters what God says about us, because he's the creator, and he bought us with the blood of his only son, so he gets to make the rules. So you and I have an incredible identity as sons and heirs with Christ. Whether or not we experience that is a different story, and it has to do with how deeply we internalize who we are. 
And of course, that's stifled by the sin nature and, um, you know, the troubles of this world at times. So it's never going to be perfect here on earth, but we can always do better. We can always live into that more and, uh, yeah, be stronger that way. Yeah. So would you say in retrospect, looking back on your marriage, so taking, taking your ex-wife's part, like putting that aside, Mm -hmm. as far as you are concerned, would you say that, um, on your end of things that the failure of the marriage was due to you not living up to who God says you are? Or, like, in retrospect, how do you kind of conceptualize that now? Sure. It's a good question. My failure, I mean, I think anytime we sin at all, we are failing to live up to our identity. We are, our experience at that moment is disconnected with our identity. When we sin, um, you know, yeah, that's a good way to put it. So I would say that any and every time I failed within the marriage, it was due to at least a momentary lapse of connection to my identity in Christ, um, which, and from that flows priorities, confidence, direction, purpose. So, yes, um, and the details of those failures are many. Um, At many times, you know, I was not a good husband, and I could could point out examples of that. with my identity tied up in the marriage, I tried to be controlling. Um, and there's, and that's what happens to a lot of uh, men. I think we, sometimes it's kind of tricky, the ones that rise to the top, um, that are very dogmatic, it's because they have wives that are more or less doormats and they can get away with it. Um, just being honest. But I think in most situations, men who sink their identity into the marriage and into their kids and the outcomes, they struggle like I did in the sense of, oh, this is who I am now. You know, you you look at somebody's Instagram bio, husband, father, that's how they identify, right? And that's really like how they wake up as, you know, and that's good. Like those, that's a great, that's a great thing. But when you, when that is your primary identity, you start to act really, um, insecure whenever it's threatened so to clarify you're saying the primary their primary identity above their relationship with jesus yeah yeah okay yeah yeah we have to so many of us live into identities and i'm guilty of this too like every day i slip into an identity that's not the one that god laid out for me um to my, to my uh, dismay, to an, it's an error, you know, we should not, we should not do that. And when, whenever we get those identities, we got to start over a little bit because the husband is not an identity. That's the problem is we shouldn't make that an identity. That is a calling on your life, which is a temporary calling. You are not always a husband, nor will you always be a husband. We are eternal creatures. All right. Mm. Yes. We, you know, till death do us part. Yeah. But there's infinite life after death. And, you know, you weren't always a husband. But the the eternal identity you have in God precedes and will come after that. You know, that's who you are. 
the husband and father and pastor or you know salesman or whatever it is that's just a calling you have right so we should never make those things our our identities yeah that's a mistake yeah yeah totally um okay so you are not you're you're identifying with your role as a husband um you're not living up to who god says you are um and so then everything kind of falls apart now you're on the other side of the marriage um and so i guess kind of walk me through like what are some of the things the really big takeaways that you like the things you started learning from this experience and the, the big takeaways and um how did that kind of come into the type of content that you now post on your page yeah, that's, that's a big question. Okay, so takeaways are way too many to discuss in a singular podcast. Um, but a trend that I've noticed in myself and in other men. So I think the, there's sort of a masculine resurgence going on right now um, in the internet community. Um, it's been going on a while, but it's gaining momentum. Um, glad to have you as a part of it. And a lot of us, not you, you're very scriptural based, but a lot of that resurgence is like half true. It's like realizing, it's realizing that men have to be free from pedestalizing women and making our identities around women. And kind of the non-Christian way to say that is if you treat her like a fan or if you treat her like a celebrity, she'll treat you like a fan. Or, you know, um, women should never be the goal, focus on getting money. You know, these kinds of worldly things that, and uh, non-Christian things that are said that all have a little bit of truth in them. What I've realized is a lot of guys who were raised like I was were taught, yes, get a good job, yes, get in shape, yes, you know, buy a house or whatever, yes, learn to be a good man, all for the purpose of having a family, all for the purpose of having a wife. And so we were doing the right things for the wrong reasons, and then, you know, culminating in a marriage and children, and if that's not everything that it's supposed to be, we think the problem is us, um when really it's just not always perfect. And in that trap, we join another group that the world labels as simps. So you have the Christian nice guys over here and the non-Christian simps over here. We're all really saying the same thing, unfortunately. And what it is is, as men, we have abandoned having a purpose that stems from who God made us, and we have traded that for making everything about women. And whether we do that by buying a big truck and getting on steroids and growing massive beards and trying to be men that way, or whether we do it by serving her, like, hey, can I give you three foot massages a day? Like, like all this kind of like supplicating, oh, are you upset? Oh, let's go to a different restaurant instead. Oh, did... Did that not come out right? Oh, I'll, I'll go talk to the waiter. You know, like, 
just like kind of subservient. Subver- I, I can't say that, but you know what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, serving, really, truly treating her like a celebrity. Um, and it's the nice Christian guys and it's the simps and we're all doing the same thing. The big takeaway I took was um, the antidote to that is, is, is very different though for those two camps. So the narrow way man antidote to that is we need to be so locked in and obsessed with following God and the callings that he has placed on our hearts from a place of security and identity in him. That's the solution. The world's solution to the simp nice guy issue is, excuse me, screw women, we need to, you know, kind of use and abuse them. Uh, Women are irrational, women kind of suck. You have to just Take them for what they are and use well, them. Well, they, they are irrational though, right? <laughs> I think anybody that is in a state of feminine expression, I, I think to say that women are irrational, is that, that's a tricky one. It's not that Not always. Are... Not all women. Not always, of course. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, well, I think there's a good note here because, yes, you're right. In a sense... Like, I prefer feminine women. I, um, I made a reel about this recently. I prefer feminine women that are like the weather in the sense that some days they're sunny and some days they're cloudy and some days they're cold, some days they're warm. Um, I think generally you want to find a woman with a consistent climate. She's generally a certain way. That kind of indicates stability and maturity. But with femininity, there is sometimes random storms and showers that you can't necessarily explain. A lot of people would label those as irrational. And that's true in a sense. But I think the the more true statement is the masculine tends to be more rational and the feminine tends to be more um, emotionally dynamic. And the masculine labels the feminine as irrational because we're expecting to see logic and reason in communication, and when that's not what we get, we just say, oh, she's being irrational. Well, no, she's just communicating in a different language, and you're mm-hmm. still trying to listen to her as if she's communicating in your language. And that's fine if you want that. Just go talk to one of your homies. Talk to a man that speaks your same language. You might not um, be able to marry him or be attracted <laughs> to him, um, you can also find plenty of masculine women nowadays that never mm-hmm. get in that irrational state where they're more emotionally driven than rationally driven, um, and they're going to be really boring romances too. Um, so I think it's I, – and I see so many memes too, Britton, about like uh, like it's, that, it's the classic two pictures like men – what is it? Men give each other fake insults. Girls give each other fake compliments. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, hey, what you're doing there is you're you're comparing something that we men love to do to each other, that healthy men do to each other, versus something that unhealthy women do to each other. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not really fair. Like that's still trying to see it all through a masculine lens. Mm. You know what I mean? I think that's that's the biggest mistake we make with women is trying to view them 
as the rest of our lives, which we put in these neat little boxes. It's like, no, they don't, you don't put them in a box. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then they jump out of the box and like, oh, she's being irrational. Well, I mean, kind of. She's also just not that. <laughs> yeah. She's also not designed to be in your box. Yeah, I mean, I think this is this is huge. And this is something I learned um, uh, through a lot of uh, trial and error and heartbreak myself. Um, and something that is talked about actually a lot in more of the new age kind of, you know, relationship world. And it's that masculine-feminine dynamic, the polarity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really important thing to understand. I mean, what you're saying, yep. you know, about how feminine women are going to be more emotionally dynamic. Masculine men are going to be more rational and stoic or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so if if you're attracted to a feminine, like if you're attracted to the feminine as a man, then yeah. you're going to need to learn how to deal with um, the woman's emotional uh, dynamism and not yeah. just, um, and not just, you know, just yeah, say oh she's just being irrational and and tr- and just uh you know, I guess uh write it off you know you got to learn yeah. how to actually engage with it, how to um, manage your own reactions to it, um, and how to communicate with her um, in a way that works. And you know, hopefully she would be willing to do the same thing to learn you know from her side how to communicate with a man who is different than her. Yeah. But um. You know, that being with um, a, a woman who is more masculine, when you are a more masculine man, it's like it is the, the excitement, the romance, the, um, the that polarity um, is, is just not there. And it's a completely – because I've been in relationships like that with more masculine women, and I've been in relationships with more feminine women. And as a more masculine man, it is <laughs> – I highly, highly prefer um, the feminine women, even though it's – more difficult it's more frustrating it's um you know it's it's more of a challenge but it's worth Mm -hmm. the it's worth the challenge and a side note on that is sometimes you can have the same dynamic or the uh, different dynamic from the same woman so like if you're single and you're trying to evaluate if a girl likes you you need to see how she's behaving is she behaving towards you in a more masculine demeanor or a more feminine demeanor, right? If she's behaving in a more feminine demeanor, then that's a good sign. doesn't necessarily mean she likes you, but it's a good sign. And if you're with a woman, like girlfriend or wife, and she starts behaving in a more masculine frame, that is a huge red flag, not about her necessarily, but about the relationship. For whatever reason, she doesn't feel comfortable um, relaxing into that feminine state you know it's very cold and transactional sort of conversations not um not that unpredictable uh randomness that we kind of love to hate so yeah yeah 100 percent um feminine women respond to the men that they are around like the way they behave is going to be a reflection of um like you know a man that she is around so like when when a man is being more masculine you're like you're saying it it creates this kind of grounded um energetic where she now feels comfortable to relax and be more feminine 
Um, so yeah. that, I mean, I think that's kind of what you're saying with like that's that's one way to kind of tell if she might be attracted. You maybe not even attracted. Just it's a good way to tell if she is responding to um, your state of being. Um, yeah. And 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 that's so important for relationships because it's like it gives us a sense as men, it gives us a sense of um, empowerment, right? It's like because a really feminine woman, she can change on a dime. Right. So yeah. it's like if she's really upset with you, you can actually fix it pretty quickly. Um, but you can also it's screw things up very quickly. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> it's good and exactly. bad in that respect. Now that's that's why I love the weather analogy, because a very feminine woman can be sunshine one moment. And then an hour later, you, you hear a thunderclap and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on. It was a nice day. Nothing was wrong. And here we are thunderstorming. And I think the temptation is to immediately fix it. With men, we have these hammers, like we're playing whack-a-mole. We're like, oh, problem, got it. <laughs> problem, got it. <laughs> and, and we just hammer the mole. And sometimes you can't hammer a thunderstorm. You have to, like, you can watch it from your front porch and appreciate that it's going to do what it's going to do. Another another way I refer to it, um, as men, we like to hunt, we like to fish. Um, if you've ever had a fish on the line, whenever you hook it, and it immediately starts tugging against the line, I think the masculine inclination is to say, uh, no, you don't. You're coming with me. And we start <laughs> wanting to fight it yeah. and reel it, right? We do the same thing with women. When she does something and jerks against us, our first inclination is to say, uh, excuse me? And then, boom, here we go. Let's fight. When really, a lot of times what needs to happen is you need to let the line out. You know? When you feel that tug, as long as the hook is set, you let the line out, let the fish run around a little bit and do its thing. And then when it's done its thing, then reel it back in. It's going to be a lot easier that way. But if we're just fighting, 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 then what happens? Sometimes the line can break. Sometimes we lose that interaction and we have to circle back for next time. Um, it's all about, I think, a seasoned man um, with women, not necessarily just a masculine man, but one that's kind of seasoned dealing with women will know when to reel in and when to cast out. Because sometimes you do need to fight and reel in. But I think that those instances are more rare than we think. Mm -hmm. you know. And sometimes we just need to sit on the porch and have a cigar and watch the thunderstorm for a little bit mm -hmm. and wait for the sun to come back out and be at peace with that. you know. No. Instead of running out into the rain and screaming at the sky. you know, That's not always going to help. Yeah, like learning to appreciate her in all of her you know magnificence whether it's she's exactly. mad at you or she's you know really upset about something or she's you know despondent or you know she's really happy and you know whatever like all like the whole spectrum of emotion and and uh being um just learn like learning to to appreciate it and just knowing that this too will pass like she's not going to be like this forever and it's like if you remain grounded, you like love her through all of it, yeah. um, that she she will you know come back. And you know it's kind of there's another um, I guess analogy that is out there that kind of gets used a lot. It's like men are more like dogs, women are more like cats. And it's like you got to let her kind of like you know as a cat, like you let you let the cat kind of come to you when it's ready, right? Sure. But the dog is like always ready. It's always like always like oh yeah 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 like you know. Um, sure. always wants love and is like, you know, just always ready to get love and you can kind of like call a dog and it'll come and just like, oh yeah, pet me. 
But the cat, it's like, you know, when the cat's not not feeling it for you, you know, it's going to walk away. And if you try to go get it, then it's going to, like, fight you. And um, so, yeah, I think that's also a good way of kind of thinking about it. Yeah, it's a good one. I haven't heard that one. Solid. Okay. So, um, man, and I love talking about all that kind of stuff, too. We could talk about that for the rest of the podcast. But, um, okay, so um, with with this stuff that you you learned after your marriage um, and you're kind of applying this to your life now and you're creating this content, putting it up on Instagram, what would you say is now, um, I guess, the goal or like wh- what do you want to do with this information that you've gathered and like what do you want to do with this Instagram account and like which, where do you want to take it from here? Yeah, wow. Um, if I'm being honest, I want to... At some point, and I don't know how this is all going to work, but I definitely want to work um, one-on-one with guys because um, I just love getting into the details with somebody and helping them kind of put the pieces together, um, whether it be about masculinity or uh, their faith. or um, I do that a lot with, with my people at work. Um, I, I'm in a position of leadership at work, so I end up having a lot of, you know, check-ins and, and um, evaluations of people. And I just love that kind of stuff. Um, so I'd love to take it that direction. Um, I also love writing, uh, as you can tell by my usually text-based posts. Um, and so I'd love to write content, like long-form content books, um, maybe branch into a YouTube channel where I can do longer-form videos on some of these fundamental concepts that I think we get wrong. So um, big, big dreams. Um, the plan, though, for now, is to continue one to two posts a week um, and uh, just see what happens. But uh, I think uh, the, the dream is not going to die. I think that some version of that is going to come about. But just with the season of life I'm in right now, um, I'm just trying to maximize and be as efficient as I can with this. Um, and then once I'm really efficient with this, try to take the next step. Yeah, and so I guess as far as like what kind of things you want to help guys with, um, you're saying it's more just kind of general like masculinity and their their faith and stuff like that, or is there kind of a more uh, specific? Um, oh guess? sure, sure. I'll give it. Yeah, there's there's uh, I'll give it to you in order of importance. Number one, uh, your masculine identity is not about you. It's about who God says you are, and that's a very simple thing to say, and it's a very deep and complex thing to live out and internalize. Um, so helping guys, helping that click, um, that's number one. And another point on that is most guys don't really want that because they're too prideful to be confident. And what I mean by that is even guys who are like down and out, um, you know, maybe they're overweight, broke, doing terrible with women, um, don't have a good community, all the stereotypical down and out kind of things. Even those guys are so prideful, just like we all are, that they that they still want to think their identity is about them. That's why they feel ashamed. That's why they feel downtrodden and like their self worth sucks because they still think it's about them, you know. Um, and and that's how most guys are. Um, guys near the very very top. It's usually either the most broken guys or the most successful guys that figure it out. 
Like, oh, I've got nothing. It's not about me. Or, oh, I've got everything. It's not about me. You know, it's for most of us in the middle, in our pride, we still are like, oh, if I could just, uh, you know, like, we're trying to make it happen on our own. So that's the first thing I want to fix for dudes. Uh, the second thing, that's more of the biblical-based stuff, which there's a lot there. The second thing is the element of masculinity that has been lost in the modern Western culture, um, which is very specific to the modern Western culture. Like, that that's a whole other topic, but, like, the fact that we don't sleep enough, are over-caffeinated, and our fight-or-flight gets triggered by emails, and we don't have good, you know, activity rhythms, um, we're hiding from the sun all day, um, there's so many problems with the modern Western world that emasculate men that it's not necessarily a biblical remedy to that. And when we look in the Bible, we don't see these kinds of things talked about a lot just because it was so normal for them. Like, you don't have to tell anybody in the Bible, make sure you get your sunlight. Like, that's not one of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Everybody was in the sun. Like, that's not something anybody had to worry about. Um, so there's that kind of secondary element of what's the most important thing? Your identity. Absolutely. But hey, we have a very specific, like, 200-ish year problem that's arisen, like, in the past 200 years of human existence. You know, um, and it's it's a big deal. And I, I'm sure I don't have to tell you, we talk about, you know, testosterone levels dropping, uh, men becoming softer. That's another big issue. Um, so identity, general masculinity, and then um, male-female dynamics, uh, stuff we were talking about. A lot of guys, you know, I, don't, I never want to justify inappropriate behavior from a woman. You know, sometimes... They do things we don't understand. They do things we don't like. We can't make sense of it. And sometimes that's all okay. But then sometimes, of course, we all sin sometimes, women included. I'm not here to justify that. What I am here to do is help the dummies like me understand what's going on or understand that you're not supposed to understand and learn how to cope and deal with it appropriately in a way to where you don't get into that thunderstorm with her and start matching her feminine energy and destroy the polarity and blah, blah, blah. All those things that we just talked about. So those are kind of my three, three pillars. Yeah, that's, that's great, man. I think that's all really important information um, that a lot of, a lot of guys need help with. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll be praying that you're successful with all that, man. Thank you. Yeah. Um, just I, for my curiosity, if you don't mind reminding your listeners, what's, what's kind of your, purpose behind your account yeah so i actually when i started it um it was called mentor for men and uh i would talk a lot of what i talked about was that um masculine feminine dynamic stuff and that was back before i was a christian where i started this account okay. um i've archived a lot of those posts i still had them up for a long time but like i i use like curse words and like not it's not all biblical i mean there's a lot of common grace wisdom in a lot of that Um, Just because it's like, you know, the way masculine and feminine dynamics work is like kind of, it's there and you can notice it and um, talk about it without, you know, having a foundation in Christ and and the Bible. And that's one of those things the church doesn't, still doesn't teach, Mm -hmm. and that we've lost in kind of the modernity of the West. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the church hasn't really supplemented that loss with anything. So we're raising all the Christian nice guys. So, yeah. I, I mean, I love that. That's why it's so key. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of started off from that angle. Um, then when I came to Christ, I started talking more about, you know, biblical masculinity type stuff. And then eventually I was kind of like, I don't even know if I want to just focus on masculinity. That's a really important part of uh, what I'm doing still and something I'm really passionate about because yeah. I think it's so necessary. And honestly, I think that men being masculine is the like the fundamental solution in a sense. Not that it's more fundamental than like faith in Christ or anything like that, but like um, all of the, the social cultural problems that we have – like if men would step up and be like masculine biblical men yeah. that 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 then everything else would come from there cuz you know a man being a man is the foundation of a household a household yeah. is the foundation of you know a community a church and then you know the church is the foundation for society Amen. so um yeah. i think that's really important but um overall yeah. i really just want to you know the the subtitle of this podcast is creating christian culture and it really comes back to what I was just saying just now. Like, I want to just be a beacon for what it means to live a truly Christian life. Because, you know, my whole life growing up, um, not being Christian, just seeing Christianity from the outside, like, I had no idea what a, like, real healthy Christian covenant community looks like um, and how that can be so beneficial for individuals for families for communities and for society and i i really think that that is it's i mean we're gonna it's we have to do it and it's the only way that we can withstand the coming persecution the coming storms the coming collapse of society what you know whatever is coming which you know most people most people sense something is coming right so i think in order to withstand um what's down the road we need to be able to have these strong we need to have a Christian culture, one that is biblical and sound in its doctrine, but yep. also um, appealing. And, and I mean that in a way of like, you know, like like reclaiming the idea that, you know, Chris, Christianity can be aesthetic, um, you know, like I mean, so, so much of the arts um, in history and West, you know, of yeah. Western civilization was, was Christian, was based on, you know, was from Christians and based on christian philosophy and theology um and Mm -hmm. i think we've we've lost a lot of that like you know Mm -hmm. christianity is is so drab and unappealing in our culture right now in in a lot of ways so yeah that's kind of what i'm aiming at right now with this podcast and everything i'm doing right on i love it yeah you're so right dude the the christianity isn't boring but the church is Mm -hmm. you know and it's, it's because we've been modernized and we've supplicated to the culture's degeneracy, watered down our message. You know, the, the, the gospel is just ballsy, man. The gospel is just <laughs> yes. strong. It's unapologetic um, and it's beautiful and it's compelling and it's polarizing. Mm-hmm. And it seems like in the past 50 or so years, the American church has managed to polarize only in a bad way because of our worldliness and our deludedness and our scandals and we haven't polarized as much in a good way you know mm-hmm. polarizing people with the power and truth of the gospel um for for christ versus against christ 
That is one thing he promises is that his message will be polarizing. And I think an indicator that we fail to present that effectively to our culture is because we fail to polarize. We've just kind of become a laughing stock or become some something that's burned people and people have a, a mediocre relationship to Jesus and the church, if anything. But we need that, to your point, that gospel to permeate culture, to be that polarizing um, stumbling block to some, uh, confusion for others, and then uh, salvation and a way of life for others. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Doug Wilson, one way I've heard him put it is uh, the gospel is scandalous. And I thought mm-hmm. that was a, an interesting way of putting it. And man, it is. It's like, in the thing that's, at least in my experience, when, you know, uh, you know, I guess preaching the gospel to people that aren't saved is like, the thing that people get caught up on, they hate. And this was a huge, this was a big, uh, this was something that was hard for me to get over myself, actually. But like, people do not like the idea that it's the only way, that it's the only truth. You know, they, they, they're like totally cool as long as you're like, yeah, well, you know, Muslims can be Muslim, Buddhists can be Buddhist, atheists can be atheist. But wow. as soon as you're saying like, it has to be Jesus, and if it's yeah. not Jesus, you're going to hell. You're going to hell without Jesus. Like that, that's the scandal. That's the, that's what makes it ballsy. That's what makes it polarizing, like you're saying. So, yeah. That's the sucky deal about truth is there's only one. Mm-hmm. That's that's the uncomfortable thing about reality is it's just one. There's just one reality. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's one way it is, and that's mm-hmm. the way it is. We accept that for tomato plants, trees, and science. We have mm-hmm. a hard time accepting that about gender in the past 20 years <laughs> and um, about religion for, for quite some time now in the West, unfortunately. So, yeah, it is um, – I, I, and I would – sharing that experience with you that's the toughest part and people ask me questions like hey well what do you think about xyz like homosexuality or you know this sin or that sin and i'm like honestly dude it's it's kind of irrelevant what i think what 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 really matters is you know it's not what type of sin are you in it's are you saved by the blood of jesus are you a a believer in in that gospel because if you're not, it doesn't matter if you're heterosexual, homosexual, bisexual, whatever label you want to put on it. It doesn't matter any of those things. You know, we have a bigger issue than splitting hairs at this point. We we need to get the gospel out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen, brother. All right, so we're coming up on the end here, but uh, I want to finish off with one more question, kind of tied into what we were talking about just now. If you were to kind of, I guess, give a prescription for what it would look like for us to create Christian culture moving forward, like what would you say would be the most important things for us to consider and the most important things for us to do and to focus on? Bro, that you're, that's hitting home with me. I've been convicted personally lately that, and I'm going to make a post about this soon, so stay tuned, but it's uh, congruence congruence of our identity in every aspect of life so when you get when when you get to the point like we're all at different spots with this but 
there was a time where a lot of people at my work didn't know I had an Instagram account that was pushing biblical truth and masculinity, traditional gender roles, all those things. And that was by design. I had prevented them from seeing it. Because I didn't want that to be a cross that my company had to bear. Um, because I'm a senior, senior rank in that company. So, but then I was just convicted. I was like, dude, that's, you need to let the chips fall. Your identity and my identity as a man needs to be congruent in word, in deed, in circumstance with different people, different times and seasons, consistency. That's one of the masculine strengths is the ability to be consistent, grounded, anchored. We need that strength about the gospel in our lives, you know? I, I, I don't always have the best language. It's not something I'm working on. Um, and I've made a lot of progress with it, um, significant progress with it, because I realized, you know what? It's because there's certain people I feel okay cursing around, and there's certain people I don't. Certain people... They don't care if I curse or not. They're not even going to notice. Certain people, they will. It's like, that's not congruence, dude. You either curse or you don't. You know? And that applies to so many things. It's like, I'll tell this person I'm praying for them. I'll ask this person, how can I pray for you? You know, I'll ask this person about their spiritual walk, how they're doing with God, and then other people I won't. Why is that? There's no need for that. My identity is in Christ. He's given me a calling to permeate my life with the gospel. And whenever I suppress that, I'm suppressing the spreading of the gospel message, and usually it's out of fear. Mm -hmm. We can put a lot of different labels on it, but usually it's fear. So to answer your question, my prescription for creating the kind of culture that you and I both desire, that you're actively working towards creating through your content, is congruence of the truths that we already know in all aspects of our lives. And it will become infectious that way. Other people will begin to see it and we will begin to polarize them. Just like we were talking about. And then those that will be with us will be with us. Those that will be against us will be against us. And of course there will be some that continue to watch and they'll make their decision later. But I think that's the key, man. Congruence. we got to be consistent in all walks of life with the gospel. I love it, man. Amen, brother. All right. Well, Luke, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, this is awesome conversation. Um, everyone, go follow him on Instagram at NarrowWayMan. And uh, yeah, man, I hope we get to uh, talk again soon. Right on, brother. I look forward to it. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Worldview War Room. I hope that this uh, conversation was edifying and served to strengthen your relationship with Jesus Christ. And as we close out, I'm going to read the quote from That Hideous Strength that I read right before the show one more time. And I want you to just notice if it maybe hits a little bit differently when you hear it this time around. 
You do not fail in obedience through lack of love, but have lost love because you never attempted obedience. And with that said, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ.